0: Welcome to the State Historical Society of North Dakota's podcasts. In this episode, we venture to the Chateau de Morris State Historic Site for a History Alive performance of the Madame de Morris portrayed by Karen Nelson. Visitors are invited to sit on the porch of the Chateau overlooking the town of Medora and the rugged landscapes of the Badlands and share a brief glimpse into her life. Mr. Edward, good afternoon. Is it not an extraordinary summer day in Dakota? Oh yes, ma'am, and especially now, seeing you. Uh, you're Staying. too kind. As long as you're here, we have quite a group of folks that've been wondering about uh, what was happening when you were out here. Do you think you have time for an audience with them? Would be my pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, Madame DeMora. hope to do a little more hunting. (laughs) We had some luck with rabbits the day before we put Louie on the eastbound train. I would not call that hunting. Louie has gone east to prepare for matriculation at Yale University. Athene and I are left here to complete our preparations for the grand ball to be held here in Medora. Everyone in Billings County has been invited. I am so excited at the prospect of meeting and greeting my old friends from my life in Dakota Territory. Perhaps that puzzles you, a woman with a foreign title speaking of living in Dakota Territory. Actually, I was born in New York. I am the elder daughter of Baron and Baroness Louis A. von Hoffmann. my father, an international merchant banker of German birth. My mother, Atene Grimes, was from a prominent New Orleans family with ties to France. My little sister Pauline, born in Germany and named for our paternal grandmother. Our mama was enamored of all things continental, most particularly all things French. Pauline and I spent much of our girlhood in Europe and were of course privately educated tutored in music and dance, fine sewing, embroidery, painting, household management, equitation, and hunting. Oh, I much preferred the outdoor activities. Hunting is taken very seriously by the French. My American birth did not prevent me from following this enthusiasm. Proficiency in language was deemed essential by our families. And by the time I was a young woman, I could speak seven languages with varying degrees of proficiency. The von Huffmans are of an adventurous, inquisitive temperament. We traveled extensively in Europe and the Middle East. We especially cherish the excitement of life on the French Riviera, Chateau de la Boca. Even now, I spend part of every year at my beloved La Boca. (laughs) Forgive me, you do not wish to hear of Silly girlhood stories. No, you would like to hear stories of my life in your Dakota territory when I was no longer a girl, but the bride of Antoine Amade Marie Vincent, a monk de Velambrosa, who was known more commonly as the Marquis de Maurice. De Maurice to me. I was twenty-five and in Paris when I first met that dashing young Frenchman, the love of my life. Perhaps our parents contrived the meeting. Perhaps it was kismet. All I know is that when our eyes met, we could see no other. It was as if every other guest had vanished from the room. Only we two remained. Truly, the coup de foudre. Love at first sight. The De family also had a residence on the Riviera, so after the Parisian season, we repaired to the Riviera. The courtship continued. We were married February 15th, 1882. We honeymooned near Cannes on the Gulf Juan at the Villa Petite Bitterets, situated on a promontory jutting out over the Mediterranean, shaded by mimosa and eucalyptus trees wonderfully secluded behind high walls and closed gates. After an additional Parisian honeymoon, we sailed for New York, stayed with my family on Staten Island, and were immediately swept up into the eastern social swirl, opera parties, balls, and the like. Maurice spent that winter studying American finance with my father my husband, enormously adventurous, energetic. The relatively dull existence of a banker soon bored him. Morris yearned for more excitement, for the opportunity to make a name and a place for himself in the corporate world. Indeed, newspapers at the time reported he wished to become the richest man in the world. I do not doubt the veracity of those reports. But you should know his heart philosophy was to make life better for the working man. And during these times, the beef business had attracted the attention of wealthy men all around the world. Well, Western North America had opened up. Facilities had been developed to ship dressed beef by refrigerated rail car. Beef prices, the demand for dressed beef were very high. Uh, venture capitalists, very enthusiastic about opportunities in the American West. The success of Messrs. Swift and Armour already shipping dressed beef out of Chicago inspired many of these men. My husband's brilliance and imagination led him to envision a far grander enterprise. More's dream was to build a cattle empire in Dakota Territory raise fine beefs on the abundant grasslands, slaughter them here, send the meat east by refrigerated rail car, and eventually sell it through his own chain of stores. The execution of this plan would have made it possible for even the humblest of households to enjoy fresh meat at their dinner table. Further, we had heard from a cousin and read other accounts of the extraordinary hunting to be had in Dakota. (laughs) I could barely contain myself at the prospect of hunting buffalo and elk and galloping across the prairie free from the constraints of proper society. (laughs) Morris arrived here the beginning of April, 1883, accompanied by his homme de confiance, William F. Van Driesch the badlands of Dakota seemed ideally suited to his purposes. There was already a small railroad settlement called Little Missouri on the west bank of the river. Morris told me that when he and Van Driesch stepped off the train, they quickly determined Little Missouri was comprised of Pyramid Park Hotel and seven saloons one of the latter being called Big Mouthed Bob's Bug Juice Dispensary. (laughs) Further conversation revealed the locals referred to the place as Little Misery. (laughs) Morris said that was sufficient. He and Van Driesch removed themselves to the east bank of the river, set up a temporary camp. Having completed that chore, brought out a bottle of French wine Dedicated the site in my honor, thus establishing the town of Medora. Due to the imminent arrival of our first child and only daughter, Atene, I was still in New York. I did not come to Medora until August. This had been the longest separation of our marriage, and my husband had not yet seen our beautiful baby. <laughs> And even before I stepped down from my train, I could see that this exotic, magnificent landscape would fuel my passion for watercolors, as well as riding and hunting. We left the servants to deal with the baggage and drove south of town to our very first new home. Imagine my grand pleasure at being reunited with my beloved husband and, and trying to take all of this in. The, the expanse of sky, the, the clean, dry air, the, the new bushes and shrubs and trees, and the scents. Juniper, sage, prairie rose. The house was not exactly what I had expected I had brought carloads of furnishings, crates and barrels, linens, china, silver. I'd stopped in St. Paul and made additional purchases to to furnish our hunting cabin. I dreamed of the dining room graced with my pretty mint and china, Tiffany's silver, a nursery for our baby. The house was raw lumber, wooden walls, pine floors, a single staircase to the second floor. Many changes were necessary before we could begin to think of inviting guests. And indeed, much was accomplished during our absence over the winter. By spring, I was able to prepare guest lists, issue invitations prior to our departure from New York. We so enjoyed socializing, entertaining. Our guests could enjoy wonderful conversations over American or continental cuisine. Some of our favorite entrees, uh, venison, elk, prairie chicken, of course our wine collection. Champagne brandy, for which my husband had a particularly discriminating (coughs) regard. After dinner, depending upon the guest list, we might enjoy provocative discussions. Music. Sometimes we danced here on the veranda. This was a happy house for us. You can imagine, of course, we would need some servants to accommodate family and friends. My husband, we employed um, oh, a dozen or so during our seasons. My husband had his private secretary, I had my personal maid Sophie, Atenay, her petit frere Louis, each had a nurse and then we would hire local people as, as needed to accommodate the guests, and we were well accommodated. Uh, you might be interested in some of our guests. My papa and mama used the guest quarters until a home could be built for them in Medora. Pa- papa was uh, a business partner with Morais. He frequently needed to be here. Friends and relatives of French and Russian <laughs> nobility, the Duke and Duchess de Luynes, the Marquis de Salte, found the Badlands as exhilarating as we had promised. Prominent Americans, Mr. Mellon, Hamilton Fish, and one of our neighbors, frequent dinner guest, Theodore Roosevelt, currently President of the United States. It was our very great pleasure to offer him fresh fruit at dinner. He particularly enjoyed fresh cherries we had shipped in from Oregon Certainly a luxury he did not enjoy at his ranch cabin. American or European, our guests reveled in the opportunity to partake of the excellent hunting in the area. Ah, game was plentiful in those days. According to my loving husband, I was the better shot. We pursued game in the Badlands, the Black Hills, and beyond. One of the most exciting hunts for me took place in the summer of 1885. I collaborated with our hunting guide, Vic Smith, for an expedition into the Matizzi region. (laughs) Look at this yard today, totally bare. Not so in the days leading up to that expedition. No. We had every wagon drawn up, all the tents set up, Every piece of equipment, every ounce of supplies laid out for inspection and inventory. We were headed into rough territory. I did not wish to be caught short so much as a length of stovepipe. Finally, all was ready. Morris realized he would be unable to accompany us due to a pressing business matter. He wished us well. We boarded the train for Colson, Montana. From there, took horses and wagons, established a base camp. Then, Vic Smith, my intrepid maid Sophie, and I mounted our horses for the hunt. (laughs) What a hunt that was. I had taken nearly every kind of animal, especially one to get a bear. That was the focus of the expedition. We shot other game for food and some other trophies. We were hunting bears. We saw 17 bears while we were in the Horns. When I brought my party back to Medora in mid-July, I was very pleased to show Maurice the grizzly and two cinnamon bears I had shot. Not all of our guests cared for the hunt. We could ride horseback for pleasure. I rode side saddle. It's proper for women of refinement. If I thought no one would see me, I rode astride. (laughs) I am afraid I shocked our young neighbor, Elizabeth Roberts, with such daring behavior. (laughs) Thus far, I have described what must seem to have been an idyllic existence. I did, of course, have anxieties. There was my near-constant dread of the seemingly endless difficulties my husband had to face. His life was threatened on numerous occasions. There were those local cowboys and others who resented him. And this always bewildered me because so many of them owed their livelihood to his vision and enterprise. Unjust legal actions were brought against him as well, including a charge of murder as the result of a terrifying encounter with a band of drunken louts. He was always vindicated, of course. But these episodes were exhausting distractions from his businesses for Morris, and they were terrifying to me at the time. Truly though, truly the pleasures of Dakota far outweighed my fears. was a happily married young woman full of enthusiasm for life and the spell of the Badlands was magical. Magic touched our children. Atene Louis thrived in the air of Dakota territory. I found it a truly wonderful place to raise children. I endeavored to spend as much time as possible with them. Further, I was very involved in the growth of our thriving new community over two hundred souls living here with no church. I arranged to have priests come once a month from Mandan, hold a public service in the community, come here and say private mass for my household until I could arrange to have a church built. The children of Medora had no school, so I helped to organize classes that were held in the church till a schoolhouse could be built. I was very fortunate to have the support of Mr. A.T. Packard, editor of the Badlands Cowboy, in this endeavor. And we were successful in convincing the local population to build a small schoolhouse. And very soon, 22 students were in regular attendance. Although the town was thriving, it became clear by the fall of 1885 that our businesses were not. There were many reasons for the failure of Morris Dakota dreams. Competition from Swift and Armour, unexpectedly harsh weather, inept employees and patient creditors, the death of his mama, perhaps the impetuous nature of my husband's temperament which led him to begin too many projects at one time. In any event, we left Medora for New York in December of 1885 unaware we would never again return as a family. Further misfortune for the area occurred in the form of severe blizzards that brought financial ruin to nearly all the area cattlemen. We had returned to France to be closer to our families. Moise was exceedingly despondent over the failure of his Dakota dreams his father suggested a long vacation, a journey out to India. While we were there, we enjoyed a tiger hunt in the jungles of Nepal. We rode elephant instead of horses. I shot two tigers, the larger being eight feet, six inches in length. Of course, we returned again to France. Maurice became very involved in French politics, with the proposed railway from Hanoi to the Chinese border. Our happy marriage was further blessed when our third child, Paul, was born in France in 1890. That happiness came to a most abrupt and brutal finish. Mwes had organized and financed a secret mission into northern Africa. His intent? Unify the native tribe's people into a pro-French alliance, possibly establish a trade route across the desert. I sailed with him to Tunis. He began purchasing supplies, making speeches, urging support of his plans, and judging by the crowds that flocked to hear him. It would have seemed to have been a success. I sensed a terrible danger in that place. I begged him not to continue. Prayers, tears, all to no avail. He arranged passage on a steamer back to Marseille and continued with his expedition. My husband kept no journals, I have only his letters. The last one dated June 4th, 1896. Dearest Madora, I write with your American portrait before me with a very tender sentiment for you. My expedition has taken a force and importance I did not expect. Remember, the concentration of wills on the same object is a power, and your will must push me across the desert. Dearest, be patient, good, and brave. I believe in the protection of God and hope in the future. God bless you, Medora goodbye. I feel you will one day be repaid for all this. And bless the day I came to Africa. Kiss the children as I kiss you and love you. Yours as ever with love, Maurice. On June 9th, he was ambushed and brutally murdered by his Touareg guides, five days before his 38th birthday. A French patrol was sent out to recover his body. We had a magnificent ceremony in the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Dear Moise, he was my true friend. I lost too much. We were such a small family. So much went out of it that day. Youth, intelligence, strength, love and affection. I bless my dear sister Pauline for her kindness and solicitude then and always. Maurice seemed ever at the center of controversy. He was a veritable thorn in the side of the French government. I had a strong suspicion his death had been ordered by political rivals in Paris. Overriding my grief was my determination his death be avenged, his murderers brought to justice. It took a considerable effort, but together with Monsieur Delahaye, I gathered evidence to prove that his death had, in fact, been instigated by his enemies in the French government and the army. Unfortunately, only the native assassins were brought to full justice. The souvenir of Mores. what he was, what he would have been, is that that has given me the courage to face the future and to raise our children to be worthy of their father's name and aims. I'll leave you with the philosophy I've tried to pass on to my children. One must have a determined goal in life. That is the only source of true happiness outside of family love. If you manage to accumulate wealth on this earth, be sure to share with the poor. Be charitable, generous, religious to the bottom of your heart. I hope the magic of the Badlands touches you. Perhaps our paths shall cross again. Until then, au revoir.